You know, it doesn't take a whole lot to satisfy the heart of God. All it takes is a willing heart telling God that I'm desperate for you. I tell you, <laughs> Shelly, Ms. Vicky, all of you, Emma, that song is so powerful. As you were singing it, I was thinking about this 80-year-old man climbing a mountain. And maybe at the age of 100, he had to climb the mountain. When God said to him, come up here. Anybody know who that man is? Moses. But it was something inside Moses that was driving him to the top of the mountain. At that age. You know what it was? His love for God. And that's what we got to have today. We're in a time of the year in which if we're not careful, this idol called sports will draw us away from one that desperate to be with the Lord. We're in that, that, that time now that our country is in chaos and if we're not careful, the cares of this world will stop us from wanting to be with Jesus. In that intimate way that you know, you and you alone know what it means for you to be in the presence of God. And we got to be so, so careful. I was thinking about what made David write those beautiful Psalms? Even before God called him to be a shepherd of his people Israel as king. But he was a shepherd over sheep. And yet, the most beautiful Psalms were penned by a child. Y'all didn't know that, did you, teenagers? Young David wrote a lot of those Psalms. <laughs> And he had to sense God's presence. And, and, and I can understand now, Tamara, why God said about this young man that he's a man after my own, what? Heart. That got to mean something to you all today. That means that nothing in this world can, you know, it can't compare with the love of God that's in Christ Jesus. Break your upcoming superb athlete. And not even your human abilities can get in the way of you craving for God. You got to be able to hold on to Jesus, Maurice, even when the Holy Ghost hit Maurice back then. I looked and thought, is that my same son playing like that? Even in the incredible and insight of playing like that, you still can get caught up in the moment and forget God. Amen, somebody. You got to hold on to Jesus with everything you got. Because you know what I seen? I seen a love that was so profound. Even RV and his gaddiness up here. I can see a love for Jesus just rolling. Even when Maurice rolled a stick or two wrong. And Arve's just cutting up. He didn't think his pastor was watching. But you know what? Think about this, Shana. Here. 
Now, I know I messed the name up again. She forgives me every time. Look, I don't need that thing right now. I just want to talk to you from my heart by the Spirit. Jesus hanging on the cross. Even before he got there, hours before he was nailed to the cross, he's laying on the floor of Gethsemane. And the pain and agony hit him long before he reached the cross. Are y'all hearing me? The Son of God loved you and I so much that that night, there was a battle even in the Son of God. And he said to his father, Father, if it's any other way, do what? Take this cup away from me. Now, if you understand Hebrew literature, you know that cup meant death. And he was facing it, Blake, because in the heart of Jesus was a young Blake. In the heart of Jesus was a young Arve. In the heart of Jesus was a young Samuel, a young Emily that needed to be saved. And Jesus, the Son of God, knew that at that moment, Maurice Nelson, when times got tough, he didn't say, why is this happening to me? He said, but not my will, but your will be done. Because it was the Father's will from the beginning, Emily, that Jesus will come and die for you. That night in that garden, when God sent an angel down to Jesus, I don't know if you're aware of that, but God sent an angel right there. The, the disciples didn't see him. He came, and I can see him now, Christina. Get this image. That the angel takes Jesus in his arms, and he cradles him. And the angel is weeping because he knows what his master is about to go through. Can you gather that in your mind? And as he is holding the Son of God, his creator, close to him, Jesus is growing strength from the Father because the word of God said that God sent an angel to do what? To strengthen him. Because Jesus was still in human flesh. Are you aware of that, young Emma? Jesus, the Son of God, still would feel real pain, just like you and me. So when you're in a hurry to get from point A to point B during your life journey here, Slow down a little bit to reflect on that night. And remember, not even 9-11 could compare what happened in Gethsemane. Because Jesus was standing over the Twin Towers receiving those souls that belonged to him. He cared deeply about those people. He created them. And so today, as we also commemorate what happened in our country 15 years ago on this day, but 2,000 years ago, God remembered what happened to his son. Okay? Jesus remembered what happened to the few thousand there in New York and Pennsylvania and Washington, D.C. But God remembered what his son did for the entire human race. So let's not get too caught up in life journey that we forget about Jesus. We forget to slow down. A big old rugged brute like Clinton, even on the job at times, have to stop and reflect on who his God is. 
Even as busy as Shauna is in her job, nursing to people and taking care of them and, and giving them life, health, and strength, have to stop and reflect on her creator, God, and know that the spirit of the living God is with her. And even as Mr. David take care of these big old brute beasts called horses, every now and then he has to stop and reflect on the living God and know who his God is. Amen. So even at your age, kids, in the, in the classroom, God will speak to you as a child. I'm a living witness of it. That God will speak to you as a child. God talked to me when I but a little boy. And I'll never forget the first time I heard God's voice. And in my life has never been the same. So, I want to talk to you today about where we're going in Scripture. Because it's all going to tie in what he read in Psalms 139 about God knowing us intimately. Knowing everything there is to know about us. Imagine now you're God and you're on the hillside there in Gethsemane. Okay? Right across from there, actually a place called the Mount of Olives. It's a hillside in which God would take his son and he would bring him back to heaven. It's the staircase of heaven. And in that, we will see the son of God going back home. But he did something so amazing that day. Do you know what he did? He took men natural man who's not yet filled with his spirit and he commissioned them to go and do something that no human had ever done before what's that they was going to go preach a gospel that was full of life Maurice Nelson that it would literally raise dead people back to life because he, he gave them the same power and authority he had. Those 12 men standing on that hillside that day had no idea the depth of what Jesus was about to do with them. They had no idea that a few days later, their lives would receive a power that the world had never seen before. And they will walk in that power. And not one of them would take glory for themselves. Not one of them received an acolyte or accolade for anything that they were doing. They gave Jesus all of the glory. They refused to allow men to say, oh, look what David did or whatever his name was, Paul or, or whoever the disciple was. They refused that. But also, young people, Jesus knew that there would be a young man standing there too. In that same city, Jerusalem. And he will watch and he will consent to the death of one of Jesus' son. Named Stephen. And that young man would be no other than the future Apostle Paul. Hello. In that same town, in which Paul got orders to go and to kill the so-called the way. It wasn't called Christians then. It wasn't called Christianity then. It was called the way. He had orders to go and stomp out, arrest men and women, and bring them back to stand trial to be stoned to death for believing in Jesus. 
Mark the scriptures today. Those same Jews that had shouted crucify Jesus are now saying away with Paul some years later. This is where we are in the scriptures in, in Acts chapter 21. We're going to start in verse 26 today. And what you're going to see is an evidence of things that's coming to the 21st century, young people. That if you believe in Jesus, eventually you're going to be crucified. But you must not count your life worthy like this man does. Or did not, excuse me. Paul refused to allow what he was about to face stop him from doing what Jesus called him to do. Are you hearing me? He is every bit now like his master who did not count his life like that. Jesus gave up his life for our life. So today, everybody, when you think things are bad at home, when you think mom and dad are mean, if you think you got a crazy boss that you work for, an out of control horse that may kick you somewhere to make it hurt, think about this man. This man has literally been beaten in every nation he's gone to. Some of them, they left him for dead. This man will spend time in the Mediterranean Sea on a ship that was tossed back and forth for two weeks. They didn't even know whether it was day or night. That's how bad the storm was. And that's how long it lasted. And finally, an angel of the Lord will show up and we'll get to that part and tell them, unless you all stay in the ship, none of you could be saved. He said, though the ship will be lost, you will all be saved. That's life, people. Life is going to hurt. You sung a song, little kids, that I, you know, no matter what tomorrow brings, I will not be shaken. We don't know what tomorrow brings because people 15 years ago, at about three hours early in the day, for them, it was business as usual. Are you hearing me? They got off the subway and the train that <clears throat> at the tower was there, there was a, a substation, am I right? They got off of Midham, got off, went up into their office, maybe to the 80th floor or the 100th floor. Some of them had kids down below. Others went to the restaurant to get something to eat. To them, it was business as usual. Others at JFK Airport getting on board a flight to go to whoever knows where. They had no idea that the plane they had just boarded would be one of the bombs that would bring down the World Trade Centers. It was later determined that one of the guys that had the lady that was burned by the fallen fuel, he didn't know that his sister and four-year-old niece was on the second plane that hit the tower. But he was helping someone else stay alive. And that lady died 40 days later. 
That's what Jesus is telling you and I, that you don't know what tomorrow brings, but you know what right now brings. And that's why you got to love Jesus right now with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength right now, regardless of what's going on, because we don't know what tomorrow may bring. Amen. Hear me now. A Navy Petty Officer dropped his son off at National Airport to go on a National Geographic expedition in California. On his way back to the Pentagon where his office was, had not yet arrived. And then the billows of smoke began to pour out from the Pentagon. That father didn't know that that was the same plane that his son was on had just hit the Pentagon not knowing that his baby was dead and what was so strange it hit the same place where his office was and God spared him so you see we can't give up people we can't give up on Jesus that angel that was holding Jesus in his arms that night in Gethsemane, he had no idea what the father was about to send the son through because the apostle Paul would later write that angels even desire to look into why God love us the way he do. They couldn't comprehend it. Because angels cannot be redeemed. They, they don't understand salvation. Either they are lost forever or they are saved by sin with God. And we see that with the fallen angels. There is no redemption. There is no salvation for fallen angels. Once they commit a high treason against God, that was it. They cannot go back home. They can't say to God, I'm sorry, forgive me. No. Once they sinned against God, that was it. Unlike you and me. We can tell God we're sorry and repent of our sins. And because of the blood of Jesus, we can come back home to God. We can come back. Yeah, come on, somebody. Give us some glory. We can come back to a loving father. 9-11 is special to God. We can get mad and we can rage and say, get every one of them and kill them. But you know what? God didn't say that about you. Because we was the one that brought death upon God's son. He didn't deserve that. You and me, our sins put him there. And this man, Paul, his sins put, put Jesus on the cross. And your baby's sin put Jesus on the cross. Mine, my life, my mom, my dad, all of humanity. But God's son did not give up. So as we look in the scriptures today, please listen carefully. Because we see a tragedy unfolding. But we also see a fulfillment of a prophecy given by the Lord Jesus Christ. When Jesus saved Paul on the road to Damascus, Brother David, 
when he sent him in the city to a man named Ananias to lay hands on him so that Paul would receive his sight. One of the things that Jesus told Ananias about Paul the killer, because that's what he was. He was Saul the killer, going by his Hebrew name, by the way. Paul is his Greek name. Hello. He was Saul to the, to the Jews. A killer of the church. And Jesus saved them. Get this, young people. You're going to see tragedy in your lifetime. You're going to see your friends hurt. You're going to see your friends killed. But one thing for sure. If you keep living for Jesus, you also see people saved. You'll see Jesus take the worst of the worst and save them. And you'll say to God, I don't understand. Why is this one living and this one dying? Because the decision has been made by God. And we just have to live with it. Today, as we look into the book of Acts, the very people that's supposed to be the world's example of coming to God, it's going to turn tragically against the man of God. And one thing, Junior, you will not see in this text today, Chrissy, you will not see in this text today, is you won't see where are the other apostles in the city. Where were they when they took this man and beat him down like they're about to? That's my question. Where were they? Because did you know moments earlier he had reported to them? Where were they when Stephen got killed? They were in the city. I say to you that the plan of God was unfolding for Paul's life. Jesus said that Paul would stand before kings. He told Ananias that. That Paul was a chosen vessel. But he didn't tell us how Paul would get before those kings. The emperor. And King Agrippa. He didn't tell us that he had to go through that word that I like to say, but I want to quit saying it so much in front of the smaller kids because they want to run out and say it. But the H word. But listen carefully. Jesus Christ is Lord. No matter what you and I face, Jesus knows it. And chances are, and you're going to say, preacher, you're crazy. Chances are God has ordained it. Are you hearing me? Because if he hadn't, you wouldn't be going through it. Are you hearing me? I know that's not popular with you. And we know evil come from the devil. But God still allowed you to be there for a reason. Because there's a greater cause. The cause of Christ is greater than your comfort, your peace. Because he already got that secured for you. 
You just got to walk in it. And when you're hurting really, really bad, remember that. God, this thing is bigger than me. The Lord showed me that this morning. Because God, why do I hurt so bad all the time? I don't even understand why us Desert Storm vets hurt so bad, a lot of us. And we can't explain to our family why we're feeling a certain way. And sometimes we feel like we want to go and crawl in a hole and never be seen again. But then we hear the small, still voice of God saying, son, I love you. Get up and come on. I got your best interest at hand. And I know what you're feeling. And then I remember the marks in Jesus' hands and in his feet and in his side. <coughs> and the whip that was laid on his back, Mr. David. I remember that must have hurt really, really, really bad. And he didn't give up. Amen. <laughs> he didn't give up. He kept going. He kept hang, literally hanging in there. Okay. That's the God who loves us, Blake. That's the one who created you. And when he looked at you, he said, that's my baby. He just gave you to your mom and daddy. They don't know that. They, they, you're just on loan, brother. You really belong to heaven. Amen. Everybody here say amen. amen. I belong to heaven. You, you just on loan. Huh? A gift from above. And eventually, sound of God going to say, give me my baby back. <laughs> Amen. Uh, did y'all get that? <laughs> Woo! And so it's incredible stuff. When we look at the glory of God in each and every one of you, God gave all of you his own, your own little signature. And he knows it. Let's go before the Lord in prayer. Father, we come to you now in the precious name of your son, Jesus. Lord, there's no one like you. And Jesus, we love you. You absolutely everything that the Father is. When we didn't know what all there was, and we still don't. But we do know that the Father, what we see in you, and you say the Father is greater than you, Lord, we're in for something. Something in which no tongue can describe. And Jesus, we owe it all to you. We're gathered here in your name. Because we know that you and Father are sitting on the throne and, and you all are enjoying our presence and we're enjoying your presence. And so by your spirit, we're asking now that you continue to speak to the heart of us, your children. And Lord, as our country look at what happened to it 15 years ago and how you brought healing to our land, Lord. And, and it's a travesty how fast our country have forgotten what you, Lord God, had done for us. And we're praying, Lord, and ask you, forgive us for that. Forgive us for our sins. Because that Sunday following this great, great attack on our country, just about every church here in these United States were full. But where are they now, Lord? Where are they now? 
You're still calling them back to you, Jesus. You're still calling them back. So we're asking now, Lord, as we look into your word, help us to see what's going on with Apostle Paul and why it is happening to him. And then, Lord, help us to value that and to look at our own lives and see that whenever tragedy strikes and whenever tough times occur, that we can hold on to your unchanging hand and we can believe in you just like we believe in the Father, Lord Jesus. And we can depend on you like we depend on God because the, the two of you are one and you're the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. You have not forgotten us and you have not forsaken us, Lord. You haven't turned your back on us. And you send your precious Holy Spirit here to be with us, to strengthen us, to guide us, to comfort us, to teach us, and even to discipline us at times. So, Lord, we thank you. We thank you. Now, as we go into your living word, we ask in Jesus that you increase as I decrease, for that your people can see you and hear you in your precious name we pray. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Miss Vicky. To God be the glory. Acts chapter 21, verse 26. We'll be here until 7 o'clock this evening. <laughs> so hold on. Junior looked at you like um, you're out of your mind over there. <laughs> uh, nevertheless, Acts chapter 21, verse 26, we'll start at. Paul is in Jerusalem. And remember, he had been warned not to go to Jerusalem because chains awaited him. Not C-H-A-I-N. Is that it? That's it. I meant to say not C-H-A-N-G-E, not that change, but the C-H-A-I-N-S. Change awaited him. In other words, they were going to shackle. They were going to arrest him. How would you like to be in the Apostle Paul's shoes knowing that you are going to get arrested, you're going to get beat down, and yet, young Emily, you say, I'm going anyway. Because I love Jesus. And it's very hard to get people in our day and time to understand this kind of commitment to the Lord Jesus Christ. Because none of us have ever really been faced with this kind of situation. People, it's really out of the norm for people to come and slap us and say, take that for Jesus. And most of them, but you done lost your mind. You know, and want to go after the person. When in fact, we have to be humble like this man is, is a great example of what a son of God is on earth. Okay. One who's birthed by Jesus. Paul is a great example of this. And so as we look at this, put yourself in Paul's shoes and you ask yourself some hard questions today. Lord Jesus, will I give you this kind of commitment? Am I willing to die for the gospel of Jesus Christ? And I tell you, it's a challenging question even for the pastor. We all have to be willing to answer that question if it faces us and hoping that the Holy Ghost will give us the strength, will give us the right answers at that moment. 
But you got to understand, not so long ago in Charleston, South Carolina, at a prayer meeting, a guy came in, ate with them, Brother Dave. They served him, sung with them, prayed with them, and then he killed them. Nine of them. They treat him like one of their own. They had no idea it was coming. For them, it was business as usual. It was church as usual. They didn't know what the enemy was going to do. We don't know what's going to happen. Amen? Amen. Verse 26. Acts chapter 21, verse 26. Then Paul took them in, and the next day, having been put, excuse me, been purified with them, entered the temple to announce the expiration of the days of purification, at which time an offering should be made for each one of them. Uh, at that time, they had to go and buy whatever animal they were going to offer as a sacrifice. And we'll see here that maybe these men didn't have much money and that Paul is given the instructions to pay their way. Okay? Now when the seven days were almost ended, the Jews from Asia, seeing him in the temple, did what? What's the next statement there? Stirred up the whole crowd. Now these were the people back in Bera and, 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 and Iconium. Other places in Asia that Paul was preaching that came up there starting trouble over in Thessalonica. I mean, they didn't like this brother at all. They wanted to make sure that he got what was coming to him in their eyes. They wanted to stop the gospel at all costs. Watch what happens. So they stirred up the whole crowd and laid hands on him, crying out, men of Israel, help. Now keep in mind, Junior, these are people that were, these are Jews that were not born in Israel. They are probably more, more likely the dispersion that happened when the Syrians invaded the 10 northern tribes and they got scattered out to the nations. The problem we also when the exile came back from Babylonian period, that not all of them came back to Israel. So these could have been some of those called a dispersion. Okay? And another fancy word called diaspora, which means dispersion. Okay? So they could have been part of that group or groups of Jews. Nevertheless, they said, This is the man who teaches all men where? Everywhere against the people, the law and this place. And furthermore, he has also brought Greeks into the temple and has defiled this holy place. Couple of things here. Number one is how in the world could Paul be turning the world upside down like this? The accusations against Paul here is a little far fetched. Okay, and yes, it, it is true. Wherever that brother preached, people got what? Saved. And that was the purpose of Jesus sending them out. Amen. But then there are stories there. 
saying that he's turning the people against the law. Paul did no such thing. He just simply told them that you can't be saved by the law. Amen. Amen. If you abide by the Ten Commandments, that alone will not get you into heaven. You must believe in the Son of God and place your trust in him. That's what he was teaching. But they're saying he was teaching against the law. And for the average Jew in that day, boy, that, that, that made you hot. Because they lived to obey the law of Moses. And then the next thing, that he was against the temple. He was against the temple. The strongest symbol that Israel had, supposedly of God. What in the world? It's just a building, people. It's just a building. If he would have been turning people against God, that would have been another story. Because the Old Testament, God told them, it doesn't matter if it's your own brother or your own son. If they're teaching people to turn against the true and only living God, kill him. That's what God said. Cut him off from his people. Cut him off from me. Take him out, Mr. David. But was Paul doing that? No. He was telling the people to turn to God's son, Jesus, the only savior of the world. And they didn't like it. They were hot, Shelly. So now they're in Jerusalem stirring up trouble. And some of you might be thinking, well, Paul is getting what he deserved. Because, you know, he was going out killing, killing Christians too. But guess what? It's a different story here. Because Paul was ignorant. And he even wrote it in his letter. He said, I was ignorant when I was doing those things. But then God, by his mercy, saved me. And now, the greatest of their accusation is saying that he brought a Greek, or he brought Greeks into the temple. What, who, what, what's Greeks? Anybody here know? What, what are Greeks here? Gentiles. And you, are you understanding how the temple was constructed? That certain portions of the temple, they had a courtyard there. So the Gentiles could go in. But these were Gentiles that were called proselytes. And proselytes were those people, those Gentiles who had converted over to Judaism. The Ethiopian eunuch, the one that Philip went to by the Holy Ghost. He was a proselyte. And Philip shared the gospel with him. He was reading Isaiah 53 and Philip explained it to him. And the man said, who's the prophet speaking about him or another? And Philip said, oh, let me tell you. Amen? He got on board that chariot and told him. And then the Ethiopian unit under the anointing of the Holy Ghost said, hey, here's some water. What's stopping me from being baptized? And Philip said, nothing. And they both went into the water and he was baptized. And did y'all know that God did something amazing? This is just a side note for you. What happened to Philip after the baptism? The spirit literally picked Philip up. And moved them. 
to another location. That's awesome. Amen? Amen. Hey, he did Ezekiel like that too. Go read the book of Ezekiel. The Spirit picked Ezekiel up. Literally picked him up and took him and showed him Jerusalem, what was going on in the temple. Y'all need to read the Bibles and see this stuff is true. I appreciate you, brother. Now, so he brought Greeks or Gentiles into the, the inner part of the temple complex that was prohibited for Gentiles to be. Therefore, did you and I know, you remember when Peter was called by God to go to Cornelius' house? Do y'all remember that in Acts chapter 10? And Peter told Cornelius, the, the Roman centurion, he said, it is unlawful for me to be here. Why? Because you are a Gentile and we have no association with Gentiles. We become ceremonial unclean. That means they got to go through a, a washing ritual to get back clean as Jews. Now y'all need to open up. Study. It's all there. Anyway, what's going on? They're using this as a means to destroy this man. And I had to question then as I was reading the text, where are the apostles? Where, where's John and James and all of them at? Because he's supposed to report it back to them when he, when he, he you know, the accusation had gone forward that Paul was turning Jews against the law. And they said, well, we want to hear, hear from you more on this matter. And when they dismissed him, that's when the crowd, these folks in the crowd seen Paul and they went crazy and started jumping on him. How do we equate to that today? There are going to be things in your life that people are not going to agree with because you're walking with Jesus. And folks are literally going to push you out of places. How many times valedictorians at school graduations are told they can't bring Jesus into their speech? Huh? How many times in universities, students are told you can't pray here, but Muslims can go and pray? So there's discrimination all the time taking place against disciples of Jesus Christ in the 21st century. But we don't pay attention to it. What they tell you about being in government buildings? You can't come in here preaching and teaching God. You can't bring the Bible in here. It's a lie from hell. Don't believe those lies. Yes, you can. Yes, you can. Paul, a man under arrest now. But before the authorities get to him, the crowd is about to pull him to pieces. How many of you young boys here think you're bad? Raise your hand. Are you this bad to handle a multitude like this? Because that's what has a hold of Paul now. Look at it. Look at the word picture here. Look at it. Look at it very carefully. Verse 30. And all the city was disturbed. That means all of Jerusalem. There's over a million people in Jerusalem. The whole city now is in uproar. And the people ran together, seized Paul, and dragged him out of the temple 
And immediately the doors were shut. They shut the doors of the temple. He couldn't get back in there as a refuge. He couldn't, he couldn't use the temple as a safe place. A place where he's supposed to come and find rest in the Lord. He couldn't go back to. Because why? Uh, a, a lynch mob has now gotten a hold of him. How would you like somebody, Emma, to grab you by that pretty long hair? Emma and Emily, both of them got long hair. They grab and drag you out into the streets. I don't think you would like that, would you? I think you would be screaming and calling for mama and everybody else to come and help you. Jesus. <laughs> but this man had no one to help him. No one. No one but the Holy Spirit of God that's in him. Now, how would you like to be in that predicament, Miss Vicky? Brother Amelia can't pull out the shotgun. Okay? Nobody's there to help you. And this crowd is all over you. And they're pulling you limb for limb. And you don't know if you're going to die. Do you think this brother's in real pain right now? Yes. He is in real pain. We, we don't think about this when we read this part of the text, do we? During Desert Storm, we had stopped long enough to set up an enemy prisoner of war area so we can start processing Iraqi prisoners. In the night in the desert, it gets cold. I'm telling you, it's hot during the day and cold at night. And we had gone in, my soldiers gone in among the Iraqi dead because dead people don't need a blanket. And the vehicles and took, the, took their blankets and was giving them to the prisoners. And I remember this one prisoner had this nice mint blanket. Most of them were mint blankets, by the way. And the other prisoners wanted it because they didn't have one. What do you think happened? They start pulling this man and would have pulled him apart had I not gone in and started throwing them away from him. And my soldiers was trying to shoot, but they wanted they, they would have shot me. And and they ran and by the time they had gotten to me, I had already stopped it. Thank God that Jesus was there to help me. And they looked at me and said, Son, you are crazy. You know better than this. You put your life in jeopardy and we couldn't save you. But who saved me? Jesus did. So who's saving Paul right now, everybody? Jesus. Jesus. Can you see yourself in that situation, Clinton? What would you do, RV, if you're in a situation like that? You don't know, do you? None of us know. But look at it. Because people, this is what got the gospel to you today. People like this man making the sacrifice. <clears throat> Verse 31, now as they were seeking to kill him, did you see, did you see that? They were seeking to kill Paul. Or put your name up, seeking to kill Emily. News came to the commander of the garrison that all Jerusalem was in an uproar. In other words, the commander of the Roman army that stationed there. That word. If people, let me tell you, they couldn't pick up a phone and call. So the news didn't get there that fast. 
Are you hearing me? You, didn't, you couldn't have a cop car rolling down the street with the siren getting to you at 90 miles an hour. Somebody had to walk to the garrison. Tell, after they convinced the Roman guards to tell the commander that there's trouble at the temple. And that they're about to kill a man. And then it took that Roman commander time to get his soldiers together and get over there to deliver this man. How would you like that to be you? You won't help to get there a lot faster than that, right, everyone? Uh-huh. So next time you read this, you take the time and you visualize and you figure out what's going on here because it could be your day. Because the scripture tells us in the future, saints are going to die for the cause of Christ. Oh, yeah, Mr. Maury. Come on, I got these guns here. And they ain't going to do it. Yeah, when a lynch mob get a hold of you, your guns won't do nothing for you. Amen? So news came to the commander that Jerusalem was in uproar. Verse 32, he immediately took soldiers and centurions and ran down to them. And when they saw the commander and the soldiers, they stopped beating Paul. Did you hear that? They stopped what? Beating. Beating him. And can you imagine people punching and kicking you from every direction and you don't know who's hitting you? And I imagine right about now, Tamara, Paul may be a bloody pope. Uh-huh. You like the security of your husband, don't you, little sister? But he couldn't save you if this was you. And likewise, husbands do get security from their wives to come. My wife will pick up something like the mess after you start hitting on me. Okay, amen. And you do the same thing for your husband, right? But what if you don't have that luxury of having anyone there to defend you? Like this. Yeah, so we are blessed people today, aren't we? Amen. I said again, we are blessed people. But we don't think about that. They were beating this brother down. Let's go on. So they were beating him. And did what, Brother Amelia, in verse 33? Then the commander came near and took him. So soldiers had the, the word took there means, uh, 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 what's your name? Uh, Arve, that they, they had to physically take Paul out of the mob's hand. Lift him up. Amen, sister. Lift him up. So they took him and commanded him to be bound with two chains and he, did that not just fulfill the prophecy that was given by the Holy Ghost by Agabus? Y'all remember that last time Agabus gave the prophecy, took Paul's belt, tied himself up and said, the, the, the man that owns this belt shall be bound what? Likewise. What just happened to Paul? He was just bound. God knows what's going on. You see, the Holy Ghost knew what he was sending Paul into. And you know what? By him telling Paul this ahead of time, in a sense, I believe, Sister Vicky, it was testing him to see his, if his loyalty was going to be there for Christ. And you know what the man said? My life means nothing to me. He said, why y'all are weeping for me? What is my life to me for Christ? He said, stop it. Stop. Stop crying for me. I'm going anyway. 
That's the kind of commitment Jesus is looking for, Deacon. From all of us. You got to be willing. And I'm telling you, you got some nasty people out there. You got to be willing to go on. So they bound him with two chains and they asked who he was, what he had done. And some among the multitude cried one thing and some another. It, it, it's amazing when people can't get their story straight and you still going to jail. Huh? They're lying and twisting things and Paul's still going to jail. There ain't nobody but Satan in it. However, God got a hand in this. Because he told Paul this was going to happen to him. And remember back to the prophecy that Jesus told Ananias that this man was to stand before who? Kings. Do you see this beginning to happen? Because who do the Romans work for? The emperor. They work for who? Caesar. And Caesar is considered the king of the world at this time. So you see God at work here, Mr. David? Then we're going to watch God show God a strange way of making things happen, huh? He's God. He does whatever he wants to with us. Amen. Jesus Christ stood up when Stephen was being stoned. Did you hear that? Stephen watched Jesus standing at the right hand of God looking at him. Wow. And are they, did Jesus have the means to stop it from heaven? Yes, he did. Did he? No. Why? Because he's going to get those that killed Stephen, but it was, time, it was Stephen's time to come home. Amen? It was time for this young deacon, by, by the way, a, he was a deacon, you, you, you know that, right? And deacons do get their butt whipped sometimes. Stephen is an example of it. Amen. Is this is this sermon kind of hard for you all today? Because it's letting you know that things are going to happen to you in the future because you belong to Christ. Things are going to happen to me. I've had people cuss me out. I've had people threaten me. And they did a memorial service of a man not long ago named Everett. Y'all remember him? And we got to know Everett pretty good and loved him. Amen? But did y'all know when I met Everett some years ago, he cussed me out and told me, get out of his face? And I turned to him and said, hey, who are you talking to? And he told me, he said, buddy, you blowing up the wrong tree. And I turned around and said, who, who are you talking to? Because I still had that soldier part of me. <laughs> the Holy Ghost every now and then have to pull his tail and say, down, boy. <laughs> hey, man, I ain't telling you a lie. I'm being honest, right? But anyway, then he turned out to be a very loving and gentle man. Understand me? And God blessed this ministry to be a part of his life. Amen. And we thank God for that. Moving right along. We'll get, get ready to finish out today. And this one. So he asked him what he had done. 
And the people couldn't get their story straight. So when he had, so when he could not ascertain the truth because of the torment, anybody know what a torment is? Besides Mr. David up here. A torment is another name for riot. R-I-O-T. When there's a riot going on. Another fancy word is called insurrection. Okay? So there's this this commander want to know why in the world is all these people fighting over you? What have you done? You know it's amazing how the gospel can get spread even through a bunch of evil and wickedness. Because what's what is Paul gonna tell these men? Hello. Do you all know that even though Paul just got his butt whipped, he's about to have an audience of thousands? Tell me the Holy Ghost don't know what he's doing. And y'all going, I wish they didn't talk to him. Look what happens. So when he reached the stairs, he had to be carried by the soldiers because of the violence of the mob. They still trying to get to him. There's <laughs> some angry folks. Y'all ever had anybody that angry at you, wanting to fight you, and people trying to hold them back, and they still trying to get to you? Yeah. I had a gun. I said, uh-uh, you don't want to step further. Homer, don't play that. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, but imagine what's going on here. Okay? I mean, they, they really want to tear him up. And I don't know if you all ever seen a person that's been battered by a crowd of people like that, what their bodies look like. This man here, it's not a pretty sight. She's a nurse. She's seen some horrific stuff. But when you see somebody that's been beat like this, their head swells up. And you can't even recognize them. And they're dead. It's a, it's a mess. And it is. It's a mess. And that's what they wanted to do to him. They wanted to literally tear him limb for limb. For the multitude of the people followed after crying out, away with him. They wanted him dead. Bad. Similar Similar, similar situation that happened with who? Jesus. The crowd wanted to rip him to pieces. And earlier, he was the same one that was healing them of their sickness. Casting demons out of them. And feeding them. And yet, they wanted to kill him. I don't understand man. Man is just a weird thing. Amen? Amen. You're going to feed them and then they want to turn around and eat your hand up. <laughs> I'm hearing voices. <laughs> <laughs> then as Paul was about to be led into the barracks, he said to the commander, may I speak to you? Now, 
a couple of things that's going on to let you know that the Holy Spirit is at work here, everybody, besides CG in the back. <laughs> Got his own solo going. <laughs> Let's listen to this now. Uh, Roman soldiers spoke what language, Mr. David? Do you remember? Latin. And Paul asked the Roman soldier, can I speak to you? What well, was another common language of that day? Greek. Paul spoke Greek. Now watch what happens. He replied, can I speak to you? He said, can you speak what? Greek. Are you not the Egyptian who some time ago stirred up a rebellion and led the 4,000 assassins out into the wilderness? Oh, uh-uh. That wasn't me. But Paul said, I am a Jew from Tarsus in Sicilia. See, they tell you he was born outside where? Of Israel. A citizen of no mean city, and I implore you, permit me to speak to the people. And we're going to stop here at this, at this last verse. No, I'll go a little bit farther because we still got a little time. We got one hour left. Joking. Lord, forgive me. So when he had given him permission, Paul stood on the stairs and motioned with his hands to the people. And when there was a great silence, he spoke to them in what? In what? What did yours say? Yours say Aramaic. This one says Hebrew. Listen, Aramaic and Hebrew is almost the same. They just have a different dialect. That they're, they're both uh, Semitic languages. Okay. The people who were in Babylon spoke Aramaic. People who was on this side of the Euphrates River spoke Hebrew. Hebrew means beyond the river. By the way, that's the translation of Hebrew. And so this man spoke how many languages? We're just looking at the text right there. Yeah, he was a multilinguist. So do you think God is about to use this brother? Oh, yeah, in a huge way, Black. So next time somebody go upside your head about Jesus, maybe God is about to use you to do something great. Uh-oh, they uh, didn't get too many amens out of that one. But you got to learn a very tough lesson from this, this sermon today. Because Jesus is going to send you into hostile territories. Everybody, anybody remember the name um, Jim Elliott? One in here. Anybody ever read about this female pilot named Amelia Earhart? Oh, now we got some hands. Jim Elliott used to fly with her. Now, let me tell you a little bit about Jim Elliott. Jim Elliott was a man of God. And he flew missionary flights. Often dropping medical supplies and other supplies into to areas in which people couldn't reach. And him and four other men decided to go into this area called Ecuador on the western side of South America, closer to Mexico. Anybody here know what happened? Miss Vicky old enough to know the story. Who was that? Lord forgive me. The natives guy? Okay. And so they decided that they, they would fly and they would drop supplies until after a while they noticed this one Indian girl would come out and get and they kind of dropped messages and, and they thought they had befriended her. And so they decided to land a plane on this one trip, Brother David, and get out and go over and talk to him. And when they did, 
Y'all know what happened? The Indians came out and they killed them, including Jim Elliott. One of the Indians, they didn't eat them. They drove. One of the testimonies, one of the Indians said they saw angels come and get those guys' spirit. Wow. They said they saw their spirits going up in the sky and was held on to by angels. They said, what kind of men are these? Whoa. <coughs> now, to tell y'all a little bit why that story is so personal to me is because one of the Indians that helped do did that killing, I met him. They came to our school when I was at Columbia International University for a week. And one of the missionary sons that were with Jim Elliott, his son also was with this Indian. Ain't God good? Because Jim Elliott's wife, along with the other four men wives, decided that the mission was too great to, to not go on with it. People, people needed to be saved. So they went on into that jungle in Ecuador. And they befriended those Indians and carried the gospel in their brother David. And the entire village got saved. And the Indian that killed this one missionary father have raised him. And I, they gave him an autograph copy. The guy autographed the book that Jim Elliott and his mom and him wrote. And told us about the movie that was coming out called Tip of the Spear, something like that. What is it? End of the Spear. And I met the Indian, shook his hand, and, and, and this guy was translating from the Ecuadorian language into English for us. There's the Indian, he was now a chief. And he was up there and, and, and giving his story. And, and let me tell you, we don't know how God is going to work in situations like this. Paul is in a, in, in a bad situation, everybody. The, the, the five missionaries there that were killed at that riverbank there in Ecuador. Their families were in a precarious situation. And what happened was when those women obeyed the Holy Spirit and went into that place, they had no idea the fruits what was going to come out of there. And then the Indian began to give a testimony, Arve. Here's was the testimony. Young men from the village down the river came and attacked their village. And these guys went over there, some of their young Indians, and they killed one of those guys. And they have been trying to keep peace among them so that they can share the gospel with them. And they came back and said, listen, we, we, something needs to happen here to this young man that did the killing. Because these guys are going to come and they're going to wipe us out. Do you all know what happened? They said, but God forbid us to kill. Mr. David, while they were yet talking, the young man fell dead. The killer fell dead. God didn't have to do, have those men do one thing. This missionary who's standing there translating what's, what happened. His young daughter went on the mission field. Been gone, I think it said, for a year or two years, something like that. Look at me. We're closing out. 
The day that she got home, they was giving a party. And she's told her mom, she said, Mom, my head hurts me so bad. She said, go in the room and lay down. The only child. Went in the room, laid down. Mom went and checked on her. Unresponsive. The Indian was there with him. He knew about death. He was a killer at one time. What do you think happened to this young girl? She died on her bed. Just come home from serving the Lord on the mission field. And the Indian told him, well, she just went to the big spirit in the sky. Incredible. Violence can lead to something so beautiful. If it's being led by God, if you would hang in there, there would be violence against you and me. If we would just hang in there, then you would see what the Holy Ghost is going to do. Because we don't get to call the shots, we get to obey them. Amen. And Paul here <clears throat> is getting ready to go through some more stuff. But now he has an audience, Blake. He's getting ready to tell people something here. And we'll, we'll go just that first paragraph area there and we'll stop because we've got but a few minutes left. So after the uproar had ceased, Paul called, excuse me, my page turned on me. Chapter 22. Brothers and fathers, hear my defense before you now. And when they heard that he spoke to them in the Hebrew language, they kept all kept silent all the more. Then he said, I am indeed a Jew born in Tarsia of Sicilia, but brought up in this city at the feet of Gamaliel. Gamaliel was a teacher of the law. And he was the, in our day and time, Arve, he would be a professor in law school. He was the best of the best. And guess who one of his students were? Paul. So this boy wasn't a dummy. So he was the best of the best. He said, uh, sat at the feet of Gamaliel, taught up according to the strictness of our father's law. And was zealous towards God as you all are today. I persecuted this way to death. What's another name put there for way? I persecuted the church to death. He said, I the one had them killed. He's saying, I'm just like you. Angry at this way. Just like you are. And do you see him kind of sympathizing with them? Because you just can't go by browbeat people and don't expect them to come back at you in a mean way. You got to have compassion on people. Now he just got his butt whipped by this mob. And now he's gently doing what with them? Teaching them. I persecuted this way to death, binding and delivering into prison both men and women. As also the high priest bear me witness and all the council of the elders from whom I also received letters to the brethren and went to Damascus to bring chains, even those who were there to Jerusalem to be punished. He said, I, I, I did what you want to do to me, what you're doing to me. He said, I did this. I had legal orders from the high priestdom to go and arrest Christians. Yeah. 
Nine happened as I journeyed and came near Damascus at about noon. Suddenly a great light from heaven shone around me. What is Paul getting ready to give them? He's getting ready to give them his testimony. So you see in an ugly situation, something good is going to come out. Even though the situation is going to turn ugly again, somebody was listening. Somebody is going to get saved. Amen? Amen. Then he says, and I fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to me, Saul, Saul. Remember I told you Saul was his what kind of name? His Hebrew name. Paul is his Greek name. Why are you persecuting me? So I answered, who are you, Lord? And he said to me, I am Jesus of Nazareth. Now, it couldn't get any plainer than that. How would you like God to call you out personally? Uh-huh, Arve, remember that. Jesus don't have to use cell phones. Amen? He showed up in person. He said, whom you are persecuting. In other words, Mr. David, each time Paul laid hands on one of Jesus' children, he laid hands on Jesus. And he wasn't going to get away with that. Amen? And those who were with me indeed saw the saw the what? Come on, stay with me. Saw the what? The light. You ever heard old people used to tell, boy, you need to see the light. You ever heard that before? They're telling you you need to get saved. Amen? And we're afraid. But they did not hear the voice of him who spoke to me. So I said, what shall I do, Lord? And the Lord said to me, arise and go into Damascus. And there you will be told all things which are appointed for you to do. And since I could not see for the glory of that light, the glory of Jesus blinded him. Well, you hear me? Remember, what did the glory of Jesus do to John in heaven? Made him what? He fainted. And Paul said, it took my sight. And people really think they're going to run up on Jesus on that day and talk trash to him? <laughs> they got another thought coming. Amen. Anyway, he goes on to tell the rest of it. He said, and since I could not see for the glory of the light, being led by the hand of those who were with me, I came into Damascus. Then a certain Ananias, a devout man, according to the law, having a good testimony with all the Jews who dwelt there, came to me and he stood and said to me, Brother Saul, receive your sight. And at that same hour, I looked up at him. Then he said, the God of our fathers have chosen you that you should know his will and see that just one. Who's the just one here? Jesus. And hear the voice of his mouth. How many of you want to hear the, uh, the voice of Jesus? For you will be his witness to all men of what you have seen and heard. And now, why are you waiting? Arise and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on the name of the Lord. Woo! Do y'all see what happened to this killer? What is going on with this killer? What is he telling? Paul said, and I got saved. Uh-oh. And who became Paul's teacher? Did the apostle became Paul's teacher? No, Jesus directly taught Paul the gospel. That's some good stuff. All right. As we close out with this, now it happened when I returned to Jerusalem and was praying in the temple that I was in a trance 
and saw him saying to me, otherwise Paul said, while I was praying, I saw Jesus again. And he said to me, make haste and get out of Jerusalem quickly, for they will not receive your testimony concerning me. Why do you think maybe that, that occurred, Junior? Why wouldn't the people of Jerusalem accept Paul's testimony about Jesus? Why, any, any, any idea, anyone? Because they wouldn't accept Jesus. And the other thing is because, yes ma'am? They believed so much in the law. They believed so much in the law, they refused to receive the testimony of Jesus Christ. And, and because Paul was the guy that enforced the law, and then being looked upon as a traitor, why should they believe him now? Jesus said, Paul, to them, your credibility has been shot. They're not going to hear anything you got to say about me. That was earlier, by the way. That was some years earlier that Jesus told him that. Now, this is later. Do you think that he's listening now? Somebody in that crowd, Junior, is listening. Somebody is listening. And so, verse 19, so I said, Lord, they know that in every synagogue I imprisoned and beat those who believed on you. And when the blood of your martyr Stephen was shed, I also was standing by consenting to his death and guarding the clothes of those who were killing him. Then he said to me, depart, I will send you, from, send you far from here to the Gentiles. Wow. It always blows my mind to see how Jesus works. Jesus doesn't work according to our will, but his will. As it said over in Isaiah chapter 54, he says to you and I that my thoughts are not your thoughts and my ways are are not your ways. And so high as the heavens is from the earth, so are my thoughts higher than your thoughts and my ways, your ways, said the Lord. That's right, no comparison. So why would God send a man into a place to be butchered like this? Because the greater cause is God wants some of them butchers to be his sons and daughters. Hello, but, but, but God, I'm going to get my butt whipped. Yes. Do you think Martin Luther King knew he was going to get his butt kicked and dogs bite him and water hoses turned on him when he first started out? I'm not so sure he understood the gravity of it. What did you say, Mr. Dave? I don't think he understood the magnitude of it because when you read in his autobiography called Bearing the Cross when they had just bombed his house he said it was 2 o'clock in the morning he's sitting at his dining room table and his house has been damaged by a bomb and he done sent his wife and kids you know, they, their lives were threatened he said he began to cry before God and he was ready to give up and he made a statement he said God that can't be any good in white people. I mean, it, it, the guy had been hurt. And said when he made that statement, he was ready to quit the ministry and the cause of seeing people get equal rights. 
He said, when Jesus spoke to him. He said, Martin Luther, every man I have made got good in him. You just got to reach in and tap the good and bring it out. Did y'all know that there was a remnant of the whites that were actually hurting them turned around and got saved and was supporting them? So don't tell me Jesus don't know what he's doing. You got a couple of y'all in here. Y'all been around for a couple of days. And y'all understand these things better than we do. But you've seen the glory of God all over the place. And I say to you, don't stop looking for the glory of Christ in every situation. Don't dare take your eyes off Jesus. Even when times get tough, because these are tough times for that brother. Woo! <laughs> I don't know what I'd have done. I, I'm just being honest with you. I, I don't know. Because we've never been faced with anything like this. But I, 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 I believe if I can stand on a battlefield and fight enemy soldiers off an enemy soldier, and God gave me strength to do that. Because I look back on that and I say, boy, you were so stupid. <laughs> Amen. If God gave me the strength to do it then, he'll give me strength to do it now. And he'll give you the same strength by the Holy Ghost. Because in the name of Jesus, there's what? Oh, y'all going to sleep. Miss Vicky, they're ready to go home. know this you got a work to do for Jesus there's a kingdom out there that's full of darkness but you carry the kingdom of light in you kingdom of the son of the living God Jesus please don't forget that and as John would later write Greater is Jesus who's in what? In you. Greater is he that's in you than he, Satan, that's in the world. And you got to believe that. You got to trust in it. And I'm going to testify just for a minute and then we're going to close out and go home. But we got a meeting. Sorry, I apologize. You remember how worried I was about what the owner of the building was going to say after that newspaper article? <coughs> Yesterday, she was just a loving sweetheart. There was no harsh words coming out of her mouth. She gave me a hug. And she talked about how she wants to see this ministry go. Not go out, but succeed. And she said, anything that I can do for you, let me know. And by the way, Miss Vicki, where you at? She gave us another pew. It's next door. <laughs> you don't know how God's going to bless you. When you think there's going to be a problem, God gives you a blessing. That's right. 
Amen? Amen. When you think it's going to be a war, there's peace. Because of him. Amen. So, and you're going out and you're coming in. Will you trust Jesus? As a cheerleader, you're going to get a lot of cat calls. Talk to your mama. But you must hold on to Jesus. You must not let him go. And as a track star and basketball star and football star and all of them stars, you're going to have young ladies that are going to run after you. And even though your mama said, I'll go upside your head. <laughs> you must hold on to Jesus. Now y'all understand where I'm going with this. Even when you don't agree with your parents about certain decisions in the home, you must hold on to Jesus. And there have been times in my own marriage, in my own family, where I had told the whole family, if you don't want to serve Jesus, there's the door. Because me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. And folks, sometimes that'll bring trouble in your home. Because some of your own relatives, the closest one to you, are not going to serve God the way you want to. And they still want to hold on to that street life and figure they can come in and do whatever they want to. And let me tell you, you being who you are in Christ, man and woman of God, do not give up your belief, do not give up your faith, and do not compromise because those that live in your house or work with you on your job or go with you to your school, okay? You don't give up who you are in Christ Jesus. You hold on to Jesus with everything you got. Because that's what Paul demonstrated to us. He was demonstrating that I'm not going to give up on Jesus. Lord, I'm not quitting, even though they're hurting me right now. I'm not quitting. And I can imagine what he looked like. I mean, you being in the medical profession and you too at times, can imagine what that brother looked like. Round about now. And the very people who supposed to have been loving him the most, his own countrymen, his own bloodline, was now trying to kill him. So every head bow. Please, whatever you do, don't give up on Jesus. And we're going to tell Miss Marie the same thing because she's our advocate. That sister ain't giving up on Jesus. That sister is a strong warrior for the Lord. And she, I wish I'd have known her 25 years ago. <laughs> oh, I would have loved had her in my foxhole. <laughs> Should have told them enemy soldiers, bring it on. Anyway, to God be the glory. Father, we thank you. Thank you for your word today. Very difficult sermon. Very difficult. But yet, a much needed one. And Lord, as we continue on this journey through the preaching and teaching in the book of Acts, well, we're going to come across some things that... They're, they're going to be hard to swallow, Lord Jesus. But you made those things possible. 
And just as much as they affected Paul them during his day, today we got different situations though, but yet the same kind of hardships. And we must hold on to you. And so we're asking you, Father, to strengthen us for your own glory and for the glory of your son, Jesus. Touch your people now, Lord. Fill us afresh with your spirit and walk with us, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. And the people of God says, Amen. Amen. Amen.